welcome back to the Toy Lines Podcast. Today we have a very special episode, extremely special guest, Mr. Kevin Eastman. So stick around a little later for that interview. Tom, how are you doing today? Great, Ian. How are you? I am on cloud nine right now. This is so sweet that we got we have this interview. Um, this is our turtle episode. Um, last the last Ronin. Ronin. This is, um, if you're a turtle fan, you need to read this comic. I said we just get right into it. That's an understatement. You must own this comic. Grab <laughs> as many copies as you can. All 70 covers if you have to. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Not only am I excited for this book, I don't have any insider knowledge, but I cannot wait for the action figures to start pouring in. I know Randy from NECA has said he's looking into it. He doesn't know if they can, if they actually have the rights to make a last Ronin figure. We're going to go into our last Ronin spoiler review. So if you haven't read the book, see if you can. This is a spoiler review. If you don't want to know anything, just skip to the interview. If you don't want to know who the last Ronin is, do not I mean, listen to this. Unless I mean, you it's, yeah, it's probably already out there. Yeah. Warning. Five. Four, three, two, one. The last Ronin spoiler interview. Here we go. Michelangelo's the last Ronin. <laughs> wow, we, just right there. We, we can cut that out. Um, no, so... Um, from so, the-, the story was based on an outline by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird with script by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Layouts by Kevin Eastman, penciled by Esau and Isaac Escoza, with some beautiful artwork. I'm going to mention this again during the review by Ben Bishop. Color assist, Samuel Plata, Luis Antonio Delgado, letter Sean Lee, and additional editorial coordination, R.G. Lorena, and edits by Bobby Kerno. Yeah, let's get into it. When you first read it, did you have an idea of who it was? Not gloating, but I've been telling everybody it's got to be Donatello. You know, Last Strong Cafe, the animated show they referenced at San Diego Comic-Con. I thought, hands down, it was going to be Donatello. Right. I think I said Michelangelo. Did I? If you went back, I think I might have. Possibly. I remember Michelangelo being in the lead. He he was the popular one. That was going to get it. Because it was kind of like the least expected. I don't know. Everybody had their own theories. Yeah, that's true. Like I said, like I thought I had it with Donatello because of all the you know, clues I thought were actual clues. I was surprised, but not so much. Like halfway in the book, you can start, for me anyway, you, you can just listen to the other turtles and you can know who's talking. I then saying and then, Exactly. There was one scene, we'll get to it, where Last Ronin's battling everybody, and one of the turtles sees the eyeball and he's like, oh, this DNA and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Donatello's dead. Yeah. So I'm out. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm yeah basically. So we open up with the book, and you know, we see the aged turtle, you know, he's going through some sludge trying to get to New York. Excellent, excellent, beautiful artwork. You know, I love anything in a hood. I think the design of the turtle, or the last Ronin, 
was is magnificent by Kevin Eastman. I I'm a sucker for anything in a hood, you know, that dark, menacing, brooding type thing. You know, he pops out of the water. You know, you see his gear. You see all the other Ninja Turtle weapons. Another thing I kind of like about this, just going to use the, the street name for this. I love the fact that he's got two nightsticks instead of his nunchucks. Actually, uh, that was a thing I was thinking about. Um, well, first, I love that he's wearing the black mask. Because right. to me, that makes sense. Um, one, it keeps the identity hidden of which turtle was. But two, it's also... It's, he's in mourning. Yeah. So it's just kind of like is he mourning or it's also like he's out for revenge. You know, like that's why, you know, but the nightsticks was, was a surprise to me. I didn't expect that. So yeah, that was, um, that was an interesting, interesting choice. I mean, it's too early to say, but yes, this is an aged turtle. This is an aged Michelangelo. He's, he might not be the same fun loving turtle we've always come to expect. So Dantel has a bow. Leonardo has his katanas. Raphael with the Psy, Mikey with his nunchucks. But the last Ronin, it seems like his main weapon are so far in issue one are the uh, nightsticks, which is interesting. So I I thought he would have used all four weapons at different moments, kind of like uh. Well, he kind of does. He does, but I figure like you know that way maybe this turtle when we didn't know who it was, trained himself in all other three weapons, whatever they might've been. Um, and he would have become near, near expert at them. Well, so. here's how I always saw it. I always thought, you know, they're, they're always training, especially Leonardo. Yeah. I mean, they have to be an expert in all their weapons and probably some weapons that aren't even mentioned here. Right. You can, how can I put it? You can train and train and train. And the more you train, the better you get. But after a while, you can't just be complacent. You know, you need to challenge yourself, especially in training. So I, I always expected them to be experts at, at pretty much everything, especially at this age. You know, he, he's an elder turtle. Right. He's no more, not a teenager. He's been through a lot. Right. So I'm, I'm assuming he's an expert on everything he carries. I mean, you need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Smoke pellets, climbing claws, anything. Exactly. The one thing I'd say about this comic is that, at least for me, I didn't see a lot of the things coming that happened. I didn't, I couldn't predict anything, which is good. You know, I, I felt like everything was just like an oh wow moment. Like, I did not expect this. I did not expect that. I, it, you know, and how often do you get that in a comic lately? So that was really cool. Yeah, this comic definitely brings me back to the Mirage days. You have the last Ronin. He's he's going through you know the dirt, sees the camera, and he's got these voiceovers that are talking to him. Right off the bat, no one's there with him, so you know those are his brothers, but, or it could be you know just voices in his head. Well, now the placement of the balloons were behind him, as if they were walking behind him. So it really does make you think that they're following him. Well, there's, there's that panel, and you can actually see the other three turtles actually blend in to the background. That, I thought, was a nice touch. Like I said, maybe their voice is in his head, or maybe they're actually there talking to him. Right. Which one do you think? Uh, too early to tell right now. If you had to make a guess. So I'm guessing he's thinking them. Like, he, he hears 
his the brothers, only, you know? The only reason, yeah, the only but reason why... doing it, not them. Right. The only reason why I agree with you on that is because of the Ben Bishop flashback sequence. That's beautiful. We'll, we'll get into that, too. Last Ronin, he's like, all I'm going to do is just, you know, get from here to there, and I'm going to take this guy down. So while he's, you know, having these conversations with his brothers, trying to figure out how he's getting up there, he steals a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Now, here's one of the Easter eggs, kids. This futuristic gang He's like, check it out, Jones. Somebody just hacked your wheels. Yeah. Oh. It's, Somebody related to Casey Jones. Yeah. Anything. I mean, at first glance, I was like, oh, maybe it's Shadow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they never say her first name, so I don't know. Right. Do you think they were part of the Purple Dragons? They could be the new Purple Dragons. So yeah. That's they, a great point. Yeah. Just my, she had purple somewhere on her face, I think. Lipstick or something? No, her outfit was her purple. Up. She has, okay. like, a purple hat. and So, um, like, possibly we got a, you know, next issue maybe, you know, down the line. Maybe there'll be... um. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe you know. Maybe that's just a you know, not not nothing at all. But we'll see. Yeah, old turtle, new tricks. <laughs> that's a good one. So he's driving down this road. You know, he he sets on fire this tanker. Right. So he blows up and he makes it to the window. Gets right, in using the blast to propel him higher because he couldn't do it on it. Do it with um any other way, basically. Right. So he gets in, and it seems like, you know, it's a city within a city. I mean, it's a huge fortress. So some people have been speculating that the fortress actually looks like Shredder's helmet. That's interesting. The The city reminds me sort of of Kuriskan in Star Wars, where there's levels upon levels of dwellers. So the higher the level, the higher the status. Exactly. Kind of something they say in it. The lower the level, the lower the economic status, maybe even there's mutants down below or something like that. Exactly. Because if you notice, the first gang of authority figures, they look like robots, you know, green. Let's face it, they're pretty much no real threat to to the Ronin. He goes out, he starts beating them up. This is when I thought it wasn't Donatello. Looks like some kind of cyborg. I think more synthetic than human. That's when I knew. Don Tello is gone. Yeah. He continues on. They're still hunting him, but he just destroys them completely. So he gets up to the next level, jumps over a car, goes back inside. He's doing incredible things for, you know, let's face it, a turtle his age. Right. Even though I don't know the specific age, I'm just assuming that elderly mutant, who knows, maybe, you know, maybe there's plenty of juice in the tank yet. Mutagen helps you and maybe also... Turtles do live an extreme age, so to speak. They can live long. So maybe if we take those factors into consideration, you know, I'm sure he's sore. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, he 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 gets he gets a pounding he does, throughout yeah. this book. So that brings us to the main enemy, Oroko Hiroto. He's in ivory tower kind of thing. Right, he's got crows all over him, which is kind yeah. of interesting. The crows kind of interest me. I was like, what's the reference to that? And there has to be something, but first I thought um, Raven's Norse mythology. But I'm thinking now this is a Japanese character, so there went that idea. So, Well, you don't really know. True, his mother is Karai, but 
you know, it, it could be, yeah, right. It could be anything, right? At this yeah. point, I mean, he could be a clone, uh, you know, artificial insemination, maybe. Yeah. The crows are interesting. We continue with the last Ronin. He he made it up to the next level. He's giving out hints, you know, so-called master of the Foot Clan, Karai's bastard son, the Shredder's grandson. Yeah, yeah, I guess he is some Asian descent. For respect and honor, for revenge, I've had enough. But he, he what's interesting is he hates the turtles, but he doesn't want to, like, get the filth on his hands of killing it. Unless, well, we don't know that. Cause that's, at least that's what he says. He's like, right. um, maybe he, he'll be brought to it. But, you know, maybe he did in the past, the other three. Okay, so he makes it up to the next level, and now you have a whole new version of different guards. These guards are a little bit more armored. They got red visors. They're all dressed in white. They look more menacing. So, sophisticated. Yeah. So Ronan jumps right into it. He starts taking them down with a sigh in his hand and a nightstick. You know, he takes them all out, and then Oroku is upset. He wants every foot to the tower now. So now he's got more to deal with. But he's handling it very well. Here's another Easter egg. Activate the Stockman tech. Yes. I, I remember, yeah. I remember reading that and I was like, oh, Baxter Stockman. Is this, and then I was like, it's going to be this. And then, what do we see? And then, yeah, these updated... <laughs> they look more like pigs than mousers, but yeah. yeah, uh, yeah flying mousers with lasers. I, I thought... When he said the Stockman thing, I was like, oh, Mousers? And and here we go. You know, it's like one of the futuristic versions. And then here's where Ronan takes out a katana and starts slicing and dicing this robot and then the Mousers. But it was at this moment where something bad happens. He falls out of a window and he just has nothing to save him. I mean, he goes flat right into the ground. He's first, no less. Yeah. Yeah. He's hurting now. He's tired. You know, he's he's calling Hiroto a coward. Everything in his body feels broken. I mean, he, he actually feels defeated. And now that, he's like blood, coughing blood. It's pouring. Now, here's an interesting twist. I won't dishonor my family. I won't let him finish me this way. Right. Not anymore. Now, right there, that those two words, that just that just blows your mind because... I hate to say it, but did did Mikey screw up? You know, is that why everybody's gone? Like, did he make a did he make a mistake in a battle and cost a life or three lives? What I found interesting about this was um, when he says that he's preparing seppuku, um, which for anybody who doesn't know, it, it, with like samurai and in the Japanese early culture, was like um to restore your honor. It was like a like a ritual suicide and how we he laid out their weapons and their their bandanas the colored bandanas of their and um he was preparing himself to he was preparing to do just that yeah that's the heart wrencher right there when he pulls out all those bandanas yeah yeah and then you know what when he pulled them out i i double checked i was like wait is he wearing a black one all along just i had to like double check it yeah we were always so different so much alike. I miss my brother so much. And I miss my father. That right there has got to get you. I mean, he... That sounds like Mikey. 
he lays everything out, you know. And yeah, because if you really think about it, Mikey was always the heart of the turtles. You know, you had the leader, you had the warrior, you had the genius. Yeah, Mikey was always the heart. You know, the the yeah, you know, the good guy. He wouldn't want to see them fight. No fighting in the family. He wants the the family. Exactly. Even in the IDW, when Slash died, he took it hard. Oh wait a second. I didn't know that part. I didn't get that far in IDW. Slash dies. No, in the main series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been reading. A spoiler review is right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He he took it hard. He did he really? Yeah. Because he did become friends with. Not to get off topic. He did become friends with them when um he gave him candy and then he introduced him to pizza. Exactly. Uh, I I've just been buying the trades recently, so I'm only on. I just finished trade four. So okay, there's there's a. Sorry. Get my tissues ready for the next trade I get. <laughs> so he's about to commit suicide. Basically, he's he's gonna end it. You know, he gave yeah. it one last try, and he's he's just broken Which, at this point. And, and, he's and, tired. And you know, if you think about it, I think if any of them were to do this, Leo would probably be the first one, and Splinter because Splint they, they carry like the um the the whole honor and and you know for my family thing that they're very dedicated to this culture and but i think that mikey who is kind of lighthearted, would be the one to talk you out of it than to go ahead and do it so it's also like for a character it's like to see this character do it not just because of what because what happened, but also because who it is and how his spirit must be so broken that he's come to this. Well, uh, we also have to, we didn't acknowledge this before, but it's been 10 years since, since whatever happened happened. Right. Like the, his brothers or his family have been gone for 10 right. years. He's got this guilt, I guess, or um, yeah, I guess his guilt he's carrying around. He's about to do it, but he's just so broken and weakened that, his lungs fill up with blood and he passes out. Right. Now, fortunately the Jones girl followed him. Holy crap. It's a, no way you're, you're a mutant. You're, oh, excuse me. You're a mutant turtle. And then we have like a lifeline that just goes, you know, steadily, you know, flat line. And then we have some beautiful, I mean, amazing artwork by Ben Bishop and it's Mikey with his brothers. You know, I don't know if it is a dream sequence or flashback. Well, it's probably a dream sequence. They're all there. I mean, I, I know a lot of people have said he he made them so different that you can't tell who's who. But I mean, this is just my two cents. But the two turtles with the straps, so you're Leonardo or Donatello. Yeah. The guy with just the one belt, that's, you know, Raph. And you can also tell them apart by what they're saying, by the dialogue, which is... Uh yeah, wonderful dialogue. I was about to say, with the exception of weapon or or the way they spoke in in the original comics, they. I mean, they they all have their unique personality. Yeah, is that that's how you would you told them apart? Whereas when the cartoon was out, it was by the color of their headband. The first Mirage book, you can still tell. Like Leonardo was always more serious. Raphael, he had you could tell he was more angry with his dialogue. Donnie, 
he wasn't really a tech guy in that first issue, if you really think about it. And then Mikey was always lighthearted. He wakes up, he's in bed, and all his brothers are there. I wish Splinter was in this scene. That's yeah, that's my only yeah. Yeah. Although maybe there may be yeah, there may be a reason he's not. How 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 the hell we did we and then he hears another voice off panel. Thank God you're up. And he's inside some like ho- not hospital, but yeah, more, it, a, it's like a underground makeshift, like makeshift kind of place. Yeah. Like, uh, like Batman would have or something. Exactly. And this elderly woman is April. She looks like she's in some sort of uniform, you know, with the cross sash and yeah. the, the yellow, yellow. Um, jacket. Yeah. yeah. And then the panel, everybody thought we were going to wait for five issues to finally find out. And I'm so glad it, the mystery ended right here on the first issue. Who were you just talking to, Michelangelo? So now we've discovered who the last Ronin is. And now we can actually focus on the bigger overall story, which I can't wait to take this ride. Which is why is he the last Ronin and what happened? Just incredible. I, I think it's a book you need to read more than once. You'll, you'll pick up more and then read it before, probably read it before you read issue two and then read it again. And Simon, you know, like I, I think the more you read them in order, maybe you'll pick more up. But I, I, I don't Definitely. know. Yet, you know, I'm not really looking for clues. I'll be honest with you. I'm trying to get that feeling back when I first read it because that's how great this book is. You know, I mean, what do you mean the feeling back? The first time I read it, like so. If you read it tonight for the eleventh time, you you still want the the first time you read it? Oh, of course. I want to. I want that surprise again. Not about who he is, because I'll be honest with you, I'm trying to separate it a little bit. Like, but every time I look at him in the back of my head, I was like, "Oh, that's Mikey." I'm trying to. I want to see it from the last Ronin's point of view as well. Maybe the last Ronin, he hasn't developed himself yet. That's why he he made a, a mistake and got injured. Or, well, this is the evolved Mikey, or. or the next chapter, Mikey. Right. You know, he, you know, we're still learning more about him, which is great because I can't wait to explore this. We have a lot to learn. This character. Like as far as what happened and, you know, all the, all the stuff that, that comes with age, you know, I mean, he's, so not, he's not a teenager anymore. Definitely. Uh, so what I would like to know, what I want to find out is obviously what happened to the other turtles. What happened to Shredder? What happened to Splinter? And where's Casey? Because we know April's there. We know there's a girl named, a young girl with the last name of Jones. Um, and we're assuming related to Casey Jones. But where where is he? You know, these are other things I'm curious about. And um, obviously, we got four more issues to go. And then really, the interesting thing is like, because I can't predict this. How's it going to wrap up? How's this arc going to wrap up? Because I can totally see this as an ongoing. Oh, and if, yeah. ID, if IDW is smart, you know, right marketing. I mean, look how successful the main turtle book is. And this is Kevin Eastman uh, is quoted as saying, this might be the start of a whole new universe. Right. You know? So let's say um, 
Shredder's grandson doesn't die in this. We don't know yet. Let's just say, or maybe he does in um, Kaya. Or just escapes. Or whatever. Or, or, what's his mother's name? Karai. Karai. I always pronounce that wrong. Maybe she'll wake up. She's in some kind of cryogenic sleep or whatever. Maybe um, at the, the end of issue five, perhaps the last Ronin dies. Perhaps he doesn't. And that's, we got his new villain, not for every issue, but, you know, like an, someone in the ongoing, or maybe this will be the last, you know, there's just so much. There's like, this is like waiting between New Hope and Empire, trying to figure out things, or, or more so maybe Empire and Jedi. Is Vader really his father? You know, it's like, and you're 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 analyzing every little detail with a microscope, and you right? Don't know. Yeah, because New Hope was more self-contained. It was, it was yeah. exactly, and so we're looking at every little detail and like trying to figure it out, and we're doing it with one issue. And, and you know it, what? I, yeah, exactly, one issue. You know what was interesting? I was thinking about this before, and I was like coming up with with um, storylines in my head, you know, just for fun. I would like to see like a limited series, like a four issue limited series of the Last Ronin, but kind of like an Elseworlds type book. Now, instead of Mikey, first issue, Each Leon- issue. Leonardo's the Last Ronin. Next yeah. issue, Raphael. Third issue, Donnie. Uh, and the last issue, Splinter. Let's go one further. And what if they each got their own four-issue miniseries, or each character got their own story arc as the last Ronin? Right. So way, do that. You don't have to tie it up in one book. Is like, you know, you're tying it up pretty quick, and and that, actually, that's pretty cool. Um, or, said, or here, how about this? So issue one of the regular IDW series, even though uh, we keep re- referencing IDW, even though technically it is a Mirage book. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're just mentioning the, the publisher, really. Exactly. They're the ones who put it out. But think about this, though. So you, you have the body, you have the temple. What happens if, like, during certain situations, Leonardo takes over? Right, like the soul... Donatello takes over for, you know, to get out of a, a you know, to escape somewhere. Yeah. Right. Raphael takes over to, to attack. That know, actually so. would be cool. Um, maybe, that would be, that would be weird, but. It, be it, but it's an interesting, interesting idea, actually. Those are, those are just my quirky thoughts, but I love this book. I love this series. And I'll be honest with you. If this goes to ongoing, I'm going to be back in the comics. So at least at least for this series. I don't know what the last thing you read is, however. So would you say this is uh one of the best comics you've read in a while? Yes. Oh, in a long while. I stopped collecting full time probably what killed my whole comics reading was one last day. Ugh. Where Spider Man and Mary Jane That nonsense separate. Well, I'll just leave it at that. And I was like, you know what, if this is the future of comics. I'm done. Yeah. So I, I'll be honest with you. The only comics I've read, Indiegogo. I'm still waiting for my Rob Liefeld Brigade, his Kickstarter. Cyberfrog, I've read. Uh, I love Cyberfrog. I mean, Ethan Van Skyver, you know, knocks it out of the park every time with that book. Uh, I'm supporting Dan Fraga's Black Flag. 
that book I read back in the 90s. So, you know, anything Fragged does, I'm great. Um, the last book before this I actually read was Masters of the Multiverse, the He-Man, He-Man one by Tim Seeley. I would definitely pick this up on a monthly schedule, even with different creative teams. Uh, yeah. I'm very interested in, in yeah. this lone this lone turtle. I'm definitely going to get this as a trade. Uh, it's definitely going to be worth reading. Like, And I think this would be like that turtle book you'll go back to every so often as a trade and like sit there and read it maybe all at once and uh you know just be like this is a really good story and, you know and then put it back for another couple of months or a year or whatever and then go back it's always gonna be that one you're gonna go back to just i want to i want to see the trade for the extra stuff the yeah. eastman notes the or eastman laird notes the eastman design yeah there's so much yeah I can't wait for NECA to do something with this figure. Yes. I, I would love to see um, the black headband, the, the cloak, the, the weapons. Um, Definitely. The, the grizzled look to his skin. The, you know, the texture is going to be a little rougher. Um, you know, the weapons he has, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, versions. we can- are going to talk about that. With the man himself, Kevin Eastman, coming up in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Get this book. Re- read this book. If you if you're a Ninja Turtle fan, it doesn't get any better than this. And if hands you down. And if you haven't read a Turtles book since your Mirage days, this is all the more reason to pick it up. So, Ian, we yep. actually got to talk to Kevin Eastman, the man himself. And and this man, if you told me. When I was 16, picking up the Mirage books, one day I'm going to meet for a quick photo op, Kevin Eastman at Toy Fair. And then a few years later, actually get to talk to him. I would have said, like, you're crazy. I never would have believed that. I never, never, never would have believed that. And um, this was like, like a dream come true. This is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. professional. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wish we had more time with them. Sure. That's my only downside, but hopefully we can get them back. So enjoy our interview with Kevin Eastman. With us right now is words can't explain how excited I am to have this guest on our show. I mean, this man is literally part of my childhood, him and his creations. Ladies and gentlemen, artist extraordinaire, Mr. Kevin Eastman. Thank Welcome, you. Sir. Hey, how are you guys? So nice to be here with you. Um, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it very much. Oh, thank you, sir. Yes, thank you for joining us. So congratulations on the success of The Last Ronin. It is an excellent, excellent book. I'm an old Mirage guy from back in the day. <laughs> I love this book. I mean, it, it's it's a gift to, to every fan out there who who's ever seen a Ninja Turtle. No, thank you. It, it really was such an... Uh, an amazing set of circumstances of how it came together and that, you know, um, I'm such a pack rat and an archivist for, you know, all things, you know, especially in the early days of what Peter and I did. And Peter and I had written a story in back in 1987, so 30 years in the future. And uh, as Tom Waltz uh, and myself and the team at IDW, as we were heading towards issue 100 last December, earlier in 2019, I, told Tom, I said, I've got this story and I think it could be potentially a 
Mirage-inspired Turtles Dark Knight kind of story, like a big 200-page epic, 40 pages each. And man, Tom and I just, you know, taking the original work and as, you know, absorbing every bit of Peter Laird we could get out of it and, and that feeling we had back in those old days, we put it all into this into this series. And then uh, the reception has been overwhelming. Thank you guys so much. With The Last Ronin coming out, it's a miniseries currently. Is there a definitive Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird end to the turtle story? Well, I think, um, you know, it's interesting because I mentioned it, you know, Tom and I, when we, when we first started talking about it, it felt like when Peter and I got to um, say issue 11 uh, of the turtles, which, you know, the, the original run of the turtles that was just Peter and I was issue one through 11 plus the four one shots featuring each of the turtles. And I think we were looking for, because that had a kind of a definitive ending, and sort of we wrapped up this this first part of the saga, you know, sort of like Fellowship of the Ring or something, you know, so to speak. And where, you know, but we were sort of like, where where can we take it from here? And that's where this idea was sparked. Where we said, well, let's look, you know, thirty years down the road, where they could possibly end up there, and then that will give us sort of a navigational. That'll give us our north star, and we can sort of we we can sort of head in that direction for story ideas, and then things. You know all those toys and cartoons and all that crazy stuff happened, and we never we never got there. And so Tom and I were in the same situation where, as we're coming up on the end of issue 100, which is a definitive ending point for that you know that series with continuation, of course, as a definitive series. We were looking down the road. He said, "Let's let's take the same approach. Let's look you know 20, 25 years down the road, and see where things could end up, and then uh, tackle that story, and then work our way backwards." So. So I think there's, as long as there's ideas, I think that um, are inspired and you stick true to, you know, telling a good story with everything you have, all your abilities. And, and uh, as long as the fans keep supporting us, then, you know, I think we can continue these adventures. But um, curious to see, you know, we've still got four more issues to go on this. I'm curious to see where everything ends up at the end of the series and what the opportunities are then, because uh, it's exciting. Um, but right now it's a whole lot of work to get there. And I could not be more excited. Everybody we're working with this, Spoiser Brothers, Ben Bishop, you know, Tom and I, and then it's just been, it's um, it's really is a dream project. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Fans will always be ready for, 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 the more, for the next Turtles. But for me, I always like to know like what the spark is for the creator. So what does like the last Ronin mean to you personally? It's a great question because it really is, when even, you know, when you look at the decision of who's going to be the last Ronin, one of the ideas we had as well, you know, on the hat here, this is the first drawing of Michelangelo, which was the one that kind of inspired the thing. So we felt strongly that that's going to be the last Ronin. Didn't want to let you all know to the end of issue one. It means a lot to me in that what we're doing with the with this series, it really harkens from it. It's based firmly and solidly on issue one, what did issue one of the Turtles, which was you know, a 40 page beginning, middle and end where these, right. uh, there was murder and there was a vengeance, basically splinter uh, raised and trains his sons for vengeance to kill, you know, Orokosaki. And you look at what that means to that story. And then every turtleism, every turtle story and every turtle universe has been based on that sort of concept. So what we wanted to try to do in the last Ronin was to, to answer that question, to, to make that, to have it a, a firm and definitive ending and then other turtle universes is always leaves the door open to go other places but that's we want to answer that question at least um for my involvement and um peter and spirit of course because it's based on the story that we wrote but tom and i really want to have this this moment have a definitive 
answer for y'all. <laughs> now, do you see The Last Ronin as your way of making changes to the turtle story or correcting mistakes in the past that you felt wasn't really strong enough? No, because it's it's sort of, you know, there's so many different turtle universes or, you know, this it's, it's not infinite, but there's a number of turtle universes. You have the Archie, the cartoon, you have the movies, you have the 2012 animated series, the 2007 movie. You've got all these different, you know, inspired off the original Mirage series that Peter and I did. To me, it's like each of those versions of the turtles, some I liked more, some I liked less, but I liked them all, especially, you know, as long as you kept the heart and soul of what made the characters work for Peter and I, you know, the, the family aspect, the mutant, the misfit, the um, adoptive family, and just sort of that, that whole brothership bond of brotherly love and, and family and stuff. So as long as that's sort of there, but there's been different versions. Again, some I like more, you know, some I like less. The first Turtles movie was by far, I think, the, the best live action turtle movie done. Period. Hands down. <laughs> and I love Secret of the U's. I love it. We had, you know, Ernie Reyes Jr. We had some great characters in there. And, and I really liked Turtles 3. A lot of fans didn't like mm-hmm. it as much. You know, hey, I was responsible for Venus. A lot of fans didn't like that. I worked really hard on that series and it was bits I liked. But to me, it's not just trying to correct anything, but it's sort of like, I guess I feel like stealing more from Frank Miller is that I felt when he did. The Dark Knight, it was set almost in a universe within itself, respectful and embracing and making sure they were aware of all those other Batman universes. But this story was set in a very specific universe to sell, sell, set a very specific story. And so that, that in spirit is what Tom and I are doing. So it's um, you know not saying any commentary on any of the other series. It's just sort of our, it's our own little adventure, if you will, you know, me, Tom and Pete. So Cool. What would you like to see in a last Ronin action figure? And do you actually have a favorite turtle toy of all time? <laughs> yeah, man, you know, I, I love, you know, when I, I did the, um, and I'm sure when they do a collection or two down the road, or actually I should post them on online is I, one of the things that was important when I started working on the series is that I, I had very specific things that I wanted to design, whether it be, you know, the sets from, you know, any of the locations within the universe of the last Ronin to the costumes. I mean, I've got a full page breakdown of every single item that Michelangelo has on, that he's wearing for in the, in that first cover, you see that the, the Escoza brothers did so wonderfully. And so I'd like to see, you know, if, if there was going to be a, um, a toy, I'd like to see it sort of match what's been done so far that what you see right. in, in the first issue because it's a look that you know his look will change some uh, over the course of the series but that's that's going to kind of be the, the thing but man the favorite turtle toy you know i always go the first thing that always comes to mind is that oversized crying in the android body cracks me up every time <laughs> <laughs> i love you know i love the uh, star trek turtle toys i love the you know the university of monsters turtle right. toys i like you know so many of the uh, turtle toys and vehicles and stuff but that crying in the android body just it just kills me i think it's the funniest thing ever if you think of like stay puff marshmallow man and go- <laughs> 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 uh, okay sir i know you're in a big rush but thank you so much for hanging out with us for taking some time out of your busy schedule we look forward to issues two through five and beyond thank you so much for for this interview this is yeah. a highlight of, of our careers and- <laughs> well, uh, really love talking to you guys and no this is it's this is super fun we love you know um, Courtney sets up um, tries to 
respond to every interview request because we love you all. We, we just love the support you've given us. Um, we wouldn't have the incredibly awesome job that we have without your support. And uh, so why don't you hand me back in a couple issues and then let me know how we're doing. We'll, have, we'll, we'll get back on the line again, all right? Uh, oh, there. awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, You're oh, welcome. If I may say so, um, just thank you for keeping being involved and keeping the turtles alive, yeah, um, and doing like the comics and uh, it's 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 incredible. So thank you so much, just as, well, as a fan. I say your it's your fault, so I thank you. <laughs> I am, like I said, I wouldn't have this job if not for you, and, and I am literally having um I have the best job ever, and I'm having so much fun doing this stuff. So I thank you for your support and, and appreciate it. So let's let's talk again, guys. All right. Holy crap! What a great. Uh, I'm still speechless from from talking to him. I, I it was great. Nice this guy. Um, oh, incredible, friendly. And you know what? I also want to give a special shout out to Courtney, his wife, who arranged all this, and Jasmine, who also helped us get together with uh, Kevin. So thank you, everyone involved. We super appreciate it. Hope to talk to them soon. Yes, thank you. Very. Uh, I can't even thank you enough. It was just, just like, just uh, like, like again, like feeling like that sixteen-year-old and, and like talking to this. One, this is the guy. Oh, definitely. Very cool. Let's get into history. So, Turtles is out. A gentleman named Mark Freeman approaches them. Guy's living out of a apartment. Doesn't really have a company, but he somehow sweet talks Mister Kevin Eastman and Laird to option the licensing rights to his to their independent comic. So Mark Freeman goes out, gets a, I guess a stuffed turtle or like a, a foam shaped turtle. And he takes it. He goes to LJN, who is at the time famous for Thundercats, as well as wrestling figures. They look at his presentation. No, forget it. Goes to Mattel. Like, hey, I got this great concept. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They don't even give him the time of day. Get out. <laughs> Get out. He goes to Disney. He approached Disney. So the good people that work for Mickey were like, we don't get it. What? What is this? He's like, well, it's turtles. He's like, no, we got a mouse. Get out. <laughs> funnily enough, funnily, if that's a word, um, they were in the Hollywood studios years later. Turtles. They had a a show where they would like sing, and you could meet them afterwards. Oh yeah. Yeah, but um, can you imagine if if I, you know I, what? I this think... has been happening throughout history. I mean, look oh, at Mattel same. with George Lucas. George Lucas, hey, I got a movie coming out. You want to make the toys? And he just looked at him. He's like, No, what happens if your movie stinks? Well, that was the same thing with every movie studio. Disney passed on Star Wars. Disney um passed on ET. You know. So there it's you like, know. you never know. But fortunately for all of us, Mark Freeman had a friend, Richard Salas, who worked at a small doll manufacturer called Playmates Toys. Goes over, oh, but before that, he has one more step. He stops by Hasbro to a man what? named Kirk, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Bazygian. He goes over to Kirk at Hasbro, Loves the concept. He's like, yes, Hasbro's going to make Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Goes to his bosses. He's like, hey, I got this great concept. They left him right out of the office. Man. 
So Mark calls Richard over at Playmates, who's famous for making dolls since 1966, and they love the idea. He's like, yeah, this is a great idea. So Richard takes it to his boss and a gentleman at the time named Bill Carlson, who was president of Playmates, gives Mark $150,000 for the license. So they go into production. Then they're looking at it and they're like, well, how can we make this softer for children? Issue one was a hardcore comic. You know, they killed the villain in the first issue. So they come up with the product design. Three gentlemen by the name of John Handy, John Schultz, and John Bezelman. They're all product and concept developers. So they're trying to figure out a way how to make this more kid-friendly. They can't figure it out. So they bring in this next gentleman who is incredibly talented by the name of Mark Taylor, who just got done doing an incredible stint on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe for Mattel. He takes a look at the Turtles, redesigns them all. He's like, looking at Shredder, he's like, you know what? He's not going to fit on a blister card. We need to make him fit. And so he comes up with this idea to hunch them over and, you know, has his hands out like he's about to perform a move on his enemies. And so he becomes the new designer on the turtles. Here's the interesting part. They got the line. They know what they're doing. The comic isn't going to be enough to push out this product. We need something else. So playmates approaches MWS to create the animated series. So now they have an animated series. They bring in David wise, who has been in the, animation industry for years i mean he's basically written at least one episode of anybody's favorite 80s cartoon he decides hey we need to differentiate you know we need to give them different bandanas we need to give them you know their symbol on their belt buckles let's do that so now they have that mark taylor incorporates all that into his designs they go to toy fair in new york to announce teenage mutant ninja turtles Hardest sell I'm sure Playmates ever had. Toys R Us, who was a giant at the time, only ordered 6,000 pieces for all their stores. 6,000 to cover all their stores? Yep. Jeez. So the first wave were the 10 figures, five vehicles, basically the four turtles, April, Shredder, Foot, Splinter. So they all go out to market sell out immediately reorder time Toys R Us said we need about 50,000 <laughs> that was 1988 by 89 Playmates had 80% of the Christmas sales just uh, just for Ninja Turtles wow so I mean could you imagine and then ever since then I mean, we've been fortunate. You can pretty much get any type of turtle you want. You got Star Trek turtles. You got bats, Dracula. I mean, samurai, disguised. I mean, sky's the limit with this line. They were wrestling turtles. Yeah. They were, I mean, every everything under 
Except uh, Star Wars Turtles. Yeah, good point. Uh, I've always felt the Turtles is a little comic that could. And it's just, it's never stopped. No. What, how many years has it been out? Like 30, 30 something? Over. Over 30 yeah, something it, years. And yeah. it's like, I mean, you're, you're thinking, yeah. They created the actual Turtles in 83. Now, I hope I hope I'm not going to get negative email again. But I'm going to say the first issue came out in 84. Okay. So when you really think about it, I mean, these guys, they, they've they proven that they can stand the test of time. And, just, and they just keep evolving. Yeah. And then I they, mean, we have, you know, we have movie turtles now. You know, once NECA picked up the license, I mean, Playmates is still in the game, but I don't believe they're as aggressive as they used to be with I this line. Maybe they're more for the kids and NECA and, and Mondo is more for the collector. And that's not to say that a collector doesn't collect the Playmates as well. But like NECA is just like, I mean, those toys are beautiful. The, the, the detail on these figures, they literally look like the movie. Yes. Uh, and it's but just before a- that, before that, they even started with Oh yeah, the comic versions. The comic versions. There were New York Comic Con exclusives. They had a black and white version and a regular colored version. Then they started getting more exclusives with April. Then they came out with another package with Shredder and all his henchmen, the foot. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah, NECA has has taken this license and they've created basically an a beautiful line for collectors. Yeah. Like as even as you were saying, you know, they've got the movie line. Looks just like the Jim Henson suits. Yeah. They're walking right off the screen. They're coming out with the animation line, which is another beautiful line coming out. And they're not really doing any of the goofy ones just yet. I'm sure yeah. that that's an idea down the line. And by goofy, I don't mean to insult anybody. I'm just saying you know, different versions like that, like the Playmates one with Astronaut Wrath and or Sewer Surf and Mikey or something. Exactly. So Nick is doing some great work. Now, These are- my personal favorite is some of the stuff Mondo's done. I mean, they're they're basically taking what Nick has done just on a larger scale. And by larger, I mean, you know, just that they're, they're taller figures. And then they've also created on their line a homage to Kevin Eastman's artwork of the first turtle. He's cool. Yeah, yeah that, cool. that's I, I, it's a work of art, basically, in 3D. You know, I mean, it even has like the, the lines drawn in. Yeah, like the, the, the ink or shadow or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that stuff is just flat out beautiful and if you look at the hands and feet they're actually turtle like so this was kevin eastman's original design and then peter laird on his first go at it they looked more like you know they had they had round faces you know they had like almost a beak Hmm. you know they look they looked closer to to the turtles we see today i mean we can you know keep going on and on but uh yeah eventually mr laird you know, took the turtles to Viacom and they purchased it for sixty million. I mean, Nickelodeon got a deal in my my opinion because they made all that money back in probably 
two years, if and that. You know what was interesting? I, I probably sound stupid for saying this. I've always wished the Turtles wound up at Disney. But when Nickelodeon had their hotel uh, in Orlando, they had um, several themed rooms, one of which was a turtle theme. Um, and I remember I was working at it for a travel agency at the time and speaking to the Orlando rep and you, you couldn't request it. It was just kind of like whatever they gave you. So even if you were the hugest turtle fan on earth, you know, you, you might not get that room, but the hotel did offer like a package of meet and greet with the turtles and a pizza party with them and stuff like that on the resort grounds. But, um, you know, Nickelodeon has done a lot with these guys since, since the purchase. Like Kevin said, some stuff's good, some stuff less so, but, you know, it's all turtles, so it's all good. And I think that's like that for anything, like anything that's been around for so long, you know, look at Star Wars, just some stupid things that have come out. Um, and, you know, like anything that's had that long line of... um of being around sometimes something silly might come out. Uh, but it's part of the history. And, you know, one thing I would love to see and, you know, I, I like these kind of things. I would love to see a book with every single turtle figure in it, not a price guide, just a book, color photos with um, a picture of each turtle toy, every single one, you know, from, the basketball turtles to uh, the monster turtles to what's out today or currently. I would love to see a book made like that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that Ian, because rad plastic <laughs> is such a book. And if you ordered it early, it should be coming to you. Um, I believe at the end of the year, maybe the beginning of 2021. And I'm just going to come out and say it. Chris Fawcett, the author of the book, will be on Toy Lines as soon as, uh, or maybe a little after the book is released. So is this a specific turtle book? This red plastic? Is it's it just like Pixel Dan's book, Every Ninja Turtle Ever Created? Oh, yes. This book I am very interested in. Yep. Is so, it still available or sell out, sold out? Sold out. <sighs> but I'm sure with all books, you know, yeah, there'll be yeah. a second printing and, and stuff. But. Chris Fawcett will be on our show. I confirmed it last week. So I'm looking forward to actually getting the book. It's at the printers as we as we speak. Very so cool. Hopefully we'll, we can get it in fans' hands pretty soon. Yeah. So, yeah, we love Ninja Turtles here at Toy, <laughs> or Toy Lines. Hasbro Legends has announced a J. Juna Jameson figure for the Spider-Man retro line. It'll be $19.99 and available before Christmas. And also from the retro Spider-Man line, the Cyborg Spider-Man is also available for $19.99. Now, everyone's calling him Cyborg Spider-Man, but let's be honest. It's Eric Larson's Spider-Man. <laughs> it's flat out right out of Eric Larson's run from Spider from when he took over Spider-Man. Also from Hasbro Pulse is the War Machine Helmet for $99. Basically, it's the Iron Man Helmet, just the Nerf Death Trooper Rifle. With for all you cosplayers out there, if you want to be a little Death Trooper, well, now you can you know, kill things with Nerf. 
necessarily and not actually kill them. Yeah. Nerf's been around forever. Yeah, Nerf, Nerf is funny. I was watching Adventure Brothers. I'm going to sidetrack. I was watching Adventure Brothers last night, and there was an episode where they introduced Sergeant Hatred. <laughs> and Sergeant Hatred, he, he's a wacky character. He, he's going to be the new arch villain for Dr. Venture. He takes out his gun after they get done, you know, meeting each other. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be your, your, your enemy. Takes out his gun, shoots Dr. Venture point blank with a rubber bullet. <laughs> Dr. Venture just drops and starts bleeding all over. And first words out of Surgeon Hatred is like, oh, wow. Wow. You brew, you break easily. Yeah. We're going to go full nerf on this guy. <laughs> like a nerf herder. Yeah. <laughs> So Diamond Select Toys for their Marvel Legends figures is releasing the Human Torch action figure, standing approximately 7 inches tall, 16 points of articulation. The figure will be in his flame mode, translucent material, comes with interchangeable flame effects, flight stand, and even, this is a nice touch, a Golden Age Torch Head from Marvel Comics 1, right? I believe so. Yeah. Comes with package and display ready, select packaging, and side panel artwork for shelf reference. Also from Diamond Select, and this is Disney Store exclusives. They're coming out with a Venom and a Carnage. Now Venom is the second figure, or second Venom figure in this line. And he's going to come with three heads, six hands, 16 points of articulation. Carnage, four heads, four hands still with the 16 points of articulation, and a backpack with interchangeable legs and tendrils. That last part's interesting. The backpack. And then the next wave of Mattel Masters of the Universe WWE figures, they've announced a new wave with Rowdy Rowdy Piper in battle armor, Ricky Steamboat in Dragon Blaster armor, Macho Man in Horde armor, which I think is the best one out of all of them. Oh, look at that. And... Becky Lynch as Tila. And that macho man, is he holding Man-at-Arms' mace? Yes. He also has Man-at-Arms um, knee pads. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I've been semi-following these because I think they're, with their parts and on the origin line, you can make some great customization. Right, right. But so far, I mean, I think uh, Macho Man is the best one out of all of them. Interesting. Now, if you are listening to this podcast, then you must be a fan of the Four Horsemen toy design. I mean, they're generating incredible figures. They're doing, you know, Origins. They're doing their own stuff with Mythic Legions. I mean, these these guys are super talented. They are having their official fourth convention, G-Con, that will take place on November 13th. And then on the 14th will be Mythic Legion Con based on their own characters and toy line log on to sourcehorseman.com for more information and the mythic legion con there is a six dollar fee to attend for you pac-man fans out there um tamashi nations is coming out with the three new figures of pac-man um these will be out in 2021 you have the sh fig arts version which is uh basically the pac-man figure he looks articulated um from the picture and he, he comes with an 8-bit version of the Cherry and the Ghosts. It's a pretty sweet-looking toy, actually. Um, the Chogokin version 
this is a you really need to see the picture to to to, to get it but it's a, a giant pac-man metallic robot that pac-man sits in and it comes with four metallic ghosts it's actually pretty sweet um and the one i'm sorry people you're gonna have to look this one up because i just cannot describe this one perfectly enough because it's so strange it's called pack pack pac-man now as far as the spelling pack pack is p-a-c hyphen p-a-k and then pac-man and this is uh just to how would describe this it's like the like, like, like the pac-man head but I'm sure it does something, but I just cannot tell. But for any Pac- body armor, yeah, for any any Pac-Man fans, um, these are some pretty cool looking toys coming out. So I would um, 2021, they'll be out. Cyberfrog from Ethan Van Skyver's Cap Comics has recently stated he will begin an Indiegogo for the Cyberfrog action figure line in February of 2021 for an expected Christmas release. He also goes on to say that he will follow in McFarland's Kickstarter's footsteps. Ethan's doing great work right now, so let's support him. Next version of the Ecto-1 will be coming out. This will be based off of the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie. This is actually pretty cool because it does have the rust-out version, um, the I guess like the blaster seat. So this will be 18 inches. Um, it's 2,352 pieces. It's going to be available November 15th for $199.99 from Lego.com and stores. So if you're a Ghostbuster fan, a Lego fan, or just an Ecto-1 fan, uh, this is pretty cool. And I would say get it now before the movie comes out and it's sold out. Yeah, this is a great piece. I remember the original Ecto-1 that came out by Lego. For some reason, it was just a, a poor build. Well, it, things kept falling off. I mean, the the doors wouldn't stay on. It was it was a weird build. And what's interesting about this is that it's so the Ecto One, the car itself is a 1959 Cadillac Miller Meteor Ambulance. This car itself is something new that Lego is doing. It's going to have a six by fourteen curved windshield, which is kind of like brand new to to Lego vehicles. Um, it's going to have a five module steering wheel. Uh, and then it, this thing is massive. It's over eight inches high, 18 inches long, six inches wide. So, um, you're getting like this definitive toy here and it's got this great, even, you know, it's, it's Legos, but it, you know, so it's like, you know, you think of the little bricks and, the, and whatnot, it, just the design and the detail is phenomenal. You know, it's got like that whip antenna there and it's got like the pieces on top of the, of the hood. And this is like, I mean, it's just an incredible piece. And the fact that they add um, the rust coloring to the car is just like a nice little touch. And if you've seen the logo for this toy, uh, it's the, like the movie where it's the, the rear of the car the, the with the license plate and the, like a tarp over the car lifted. So you just see a bit of the ghost, uh, the logo and the Ecto one license plate. So it's a pretty sweet um, way that they, they uh, they're marketing it just like they did with, originally with the movie. The umbrella Academy will be moving forward with season three from Netflix, which is awesome, especially with the boss fight studios figures coming out so far. They've only released details of Diego and Vanya. But 
I mean, I would like to see them go six inches, at least bare minimum, but mm-hmm. right now they're at four. We'll see how they do. The Star Wars Holiday Special Trail has been released. The special will air on November 17th, and let's face it, folks, this looks better than the original, but then again, anything does, but this really does look enjoyable. Uh, I, I think they got, they, they got a winner on their hands with this one. Yeah, it's a great premise. I mean, Ray goes back in time somehow from finding yeah. a crystal. You know, she meets Luke on A New Hope, you know, and then... Two Han Solos. Two Han Solos. That's <laughs> awesome. You want to shoot first? Yeah. No, I'll shoot first. All right. That's great. So, yeah, this is going to be um, this is going to be cool. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait. And then our favorite crowdfunding, the Hasbro Pulse Razor Crest. Uh-huh. We're down to two days, people. Not only do we currently have 18,855 backers, but we're getting a stand and a weird-looking Jawa. <laughs> with an egg. With an egg. Filled with custard. Uh, yeah, every every uh, thing has been unlocked. So this for everybody who's bought one, you guys got a great package coming. Yeah, now's the time. Two days left. I yeah. believe it ends... 11.59 on November 9th, which is right around the corner. So if you're looking for... Do it now. An early Christmas gift for next year. Girls, please. if you're listening, your boyfriend's making you listen to this. He wants this present. He's going to say or, no. Or girls, if you oh, want... Yeah, that's right. We don't discriminate. Yeah. Or if you yeah. want your own baby Yoda. Yeah. Or weird looking Jawa. Just, 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 just order it. Because this thing is so cool. Yes. Just get. I mean, we already have everything, but now, now, now everything's just a treat at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So if mean, you got three fifty to burn and you like spaceships, and the show, what better way? What better way to burn it? Really, I, I was, yeah, yeah. There you go. Three hundred fifty Republic credits. It's all yours. Super Seven is releasing SpongeBob SquarePants figures. They will each include in the first wave, SpongeBob Patrick. Mr. Krabs and Squidward. They all retail for $18 from Super 7. And once again, one of my favorite cartoon creators and Tommy's as well, um, Jenny Tartarkovsky. Uh, I hope I said your last name right. I do apologize. Tartarkovsky. Thank you, sir. Has a new show in the works that will be on both HBO Max and the Cartoon Network. This show is going to be an inclusive series for all ages. Uh, and it looks pretty sweet. Unicorn Warriors Eternal, according to the synopsis, follows a team of ancient heroes protecting the world from an omnipotent. According to the synopsis, Unicorn Warriors Eternal follows a team of ancient heroes protecting the world from an ominous force. Throughout history, unicorns have symbolized the virtuous, appearing to ensure the goodness that goodness reigns. When the reawakening of our heroes comes too early, they find themselves in the bodies of teenagers. Damaged as a result, their memories of who they are and history of the unicorn over the centuries have been lost, with some of their magical abilities weakened and fragmented. Not only only do they have to protect the world against prevailing darkness, they have to do it while navigating the unexpected laughs and humor that come with teen angst and emotions. This show looks very interesting. It doesn't have... The Gen D look, I'm sure when you watch it, it will, you know, just, I don't know. He has such a wide range. Yeah. Like you can't pin him down. No, 
I mean, Dexter's Laboratory hit, you know, Primal hit, Samurai Jack. I mean, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the Clone. Thank you. He's got his hands on every different type of idea or every different genre, every different. I mean, the man's a genius. I can't wait for this. Even Hotel Transylvania. You know, I mean, he directed that. Yeah. I mean, the man can't be stopped. Thank God. Yeah. So it's about time we're getting. I'm going to say good cartoons because there hasn't been a, there hasn't been a good cartoon since we bear bears and that got canceled. That's a great show. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. As am I, Tommy. I just want to give uh, again, a special thank you to Jasmine, Courtney and Mr. Kevin Eastman for being on the show. Thank you so much. Incredible. Yes, thank you for your time and all the hard work that went into it. Tommy, thank you for your part. Um, you have made. Oh, I, I, um, I'm there with you. You know, like these two New Jersey nerds day. <laughs> Special thank you to Brian Salvatore for our intro and outro music. Thank you to Shared Universe Podcast Studio. Special thank you to Spectre Creative and Scott Knightlick. Join us. On the conversation, let us know if you like us, hate us, or want to hear something different. Toyspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. Please subscribe or give us a rating, or you can do both. For all the latest toy reviews, Log on to www.toy-lines.com. Follow us on all social media at Toylines, Twitter, Instagram. And if you're looking for us on Facebook, you can find us at Toy Shelf Magazine or Toylines. Thank you again. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode almost as much as we have. Enjoyed making it. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm in a great mood, so... Thank you to all the listeners. Go out, be safe, wear a mask. Yes, we'll get oh, through this. And always. don't don't forget. Right now, Fandango. I believe today's the last day. Go out and see Ninja Turtles. Support not only your local comic shop, but if it's you local can, theater. help out your movie theaters. Yes, you know, Turtles is, you know, that's a great movie. The 1990 movie is out right now. I know, I believe you can find Ghostbusters for a dollar in some theaters. Yeah. That's sweet, man. Yeah, make a day of it. You know, go out, enjoy life as much as you can right now. Yeah. I love being a turtle. Um, As always, I'm Ian Westhoff. I'm Tom Romero. Play with your toys. (laughs) See you next week. Turtle power. Did you watch the X-Men cartoon as a kid? Did you buy Spider-Man number one the day it came out? Did you collect superhero trading cards and action figures? Then have we got the podcast for you. That's right, it's Wizards, Wizards, the the podcast podcast guide to comics. The exciting show where Adam, that's me, and Michael, that's me, will take you through the 90s comic book boom, through the pages of Wizard Magazine, one issue at a time. We have so much fun reliving that crazy time of chromium covers and speculative comic book buying plus we get to see where this whole hubbub about superhero movies really began so we invite you to join us every other week 
on the Retro Network podcast feed. We can't wait to go back in time and uh, flip through those comic books you used to read. So we'll see you then. And until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded. Hi, I'm Marvelous Joe. And I'm his twin brother, Johnny DC. And together, we host the Dynamic Duel Podcast, a weekly show where we debate who has the superior characters between Marvel and DC, which we help prove through stat-based simulations of battles between your favorite Marvel and DC characters. We also review the latest Marvel and DC films to hit theaters. We'd love to have you come listen as we have a blast every Tuesday. Check out Dynamic Duel at dynamicduel.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.